Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We have quite a bit to talk about today. I'd say. Including this UN panel that's come out pro-pedophilia, essentially. Just absolutely mind-blowing. How significant it is, difficult to say. So, we've been discussing now for several weeks, trying to figure out, why do all these TV shows, industries, companies think they need to jump on the trans bag bandwagon to the nth degree. Why? That's not where most of America is, but they're going with the the farthest version of it and being mm-hmm. full-throatedly supportive. Obviously, the Bud Light thing we've been talking about and everything and various companies jumping on board with that. And I just I can't quite figure out what's going on there. You know, I, I, Rush Limbaugh spoke of the drive-by media, famously. That's a, a fabulous term, well-described. Uh, you got these drive-by philosophers, I think, who decided that, you know, because they, they're down with gay rights, gay marriage, whatever, and they're told now every single variation on sex, sexuality, Uh, gender, if you want to use that term, whatever, it's all great. It's all great. 
including pressuring children into deciding they're a different one. If I support that child, that shows how enlightened I am, even if they're just a confused 12-year-old afraid of puberty. I just, I'm going to show you how enlightened I am. I just think it's that. Well, I got, yeah, I got more to say on this, but just to, to the reason we're talking about it, a couple of reasons we're talking about it today. This is from Saturday Night Live. Uh, during their news segment this past Saturday night, they've got a cast member they've been bragging about since they hired her because she's the first non-binary SNL cast member ever. Whatever that means. And she, I don't even accept that term as reality, but anyway. And I, I watch every week, and she hasn't done much. I mean, she's had some really bit parts, but they dropped her in for a major segment of the news to uh, to talk as herself, not in character, just as her as a human being. Molly, what is all this? Well, as you know, I've been wanting to come to Update and talk about trans people. As of this week, <laughs> there are now over 14 states that have passed bills restricting health care for trans kids. Listen to that, Michael. Yeah. Restricting health care for kids. For some reason, there's something about the word trans that makes people forget the word kids. If you don't care about trans kids' lives, it means you don't care about freaking kids' lives. I can tell you're really upset about that. I am. And also, my legs are going numb and I might pass out. Oh, Molly, how long were you hanging up there? Longer than I would have liked. Uh, I tried to call down, but no one could hear me. You know, at one point, I heard a crew guy say, is she going to die up there? You know, this part is and completely irrelevant to, to the discussion. Right. going to die up there. Right. Oh, okay. Okay, okay that's fine, Michael. Michael. And then yeah. they both walked away and didn't help. Okay, so, Which yeah, that, we're good. Um... But so she came floating down from the ceiling and as a comedy bit or whatever, and then lectured us about trans stuff again to the most extreme degree of with the whole allowing kids to do the whole sex change thing. And I just I'm confused by what's driving it. I guess what you explained could be it. Saturday Night Live, for one thing, is a comedy show like their opening bit was about weirdos in the park in the summertime that I thought, this is classic Saturday Night Live. This mm. is really great stuff. Talking about, you know, older guy who's wearing too tight clothes or uh, or weird <laughs> weird person on a box preaching at you about stuff that doesn't make any sense or just weirdos you see outside in the springtime. I thought, that's great Saturday Night Live stuff. When did they decide? This didn't happen back in the day. I've, been, I've watched nearly every episode since it came on the air in the 70s. And they didn't used to do this. It was all comedy. When, when did, and it's the same guy is running it. When did he decide? You know what? I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump into the middle of the most controversial issues in America and lecture people about it. I wonder what happened there. Well, just he's reflecting the culture. Everybody's so right. politicized and tribal, and we've we've talked about this for years and years. Thirty years ago, if you ask somebody to describe themselves, give me five descriptors of you. They wouldn't get to their politics in those five descriptors: husband, father, Christian, volunteer, coach, whatever. Blah blah. blah. Now that's like number one or two, you know, progressive, conservative. Even of Saturday Night Live viewers, though, and the average age of a Saturday Night Live viewer is a lot older than you would guess it is. I think it's in the 40s. I just I don't I don't think he's right about his audience. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe you're right, you know. He's in agreement with virtually every single late-night comedy show. Right, and yeah, I was going to bring that up. Back in the day, Johnny Carson or even David Letterman back in the day, you would never jump into politics or certainly controversial politics because you wouldn't want to alienate half your audience. But whoever decided that first, Stephen Colbert maybe, got good ratings on it, and so now everybody does it. It's just, ah, it's so annoying, though. 
Oh, my God, it's annoying. Getting back to the uh, the specific story, the uh, the key quote, perhaps, as of this week, there are now over 14 states who have passed bills restricting health care for trans kids. If you want to restrict health care for trans kids, you don't care about kids. That's the part we need. Get, let's isolate a co- that couple of sentences uh, going forward. Uh, that is a bizarre notion. A couple of things. First of all, as uh, Leslie, listener, pointed out, um, so it used to, it went from sex change to gender affirming health care, but now the terminology uh, uh, is that the bad Republicans are restricting health care. Restricting health care for trans like they won't give them antibiotics, really? No, of course not. Just one more attempt by progressives to pervert the language and force you to use terminology that's overtly inaccurate and activist. They're restricting health care. No, you break your leg. We're going to set the bone. We'll get you cast. It'll be fine. You get pneumonia. We'll get you the antibiotics you need. Monitor your breathing till you're healthy again. So that's a freaking lie. But to the transgender thing specifically, this was so New York Times, so peak New York Times. And they have such good journalists who do such good work, except when they're terrible. This article, it hit me upside the head like a slap. How a campaign against transgender rights mobilized conservatives. Subhead is... Defeated on same-sex marriage, the religious right went searching for an issue that would energize supporters and donors. The campaign that followed has stunned political leaders across the spectrum. It frames the entire resistance against confused adolescents getting maimed by experimental surgeries or treated with powerful hormones. It frames all of that as... The right was just looking for a way to raise money, and they found it. Not the fact that the number of uh, kids going through this stuff has gone from none to thousands. The fact that Europe has said, oh, my God, this has got to stop. We are reversing field. We are jamming on the brakes on this. It's dangerous. It's experimental. There's no data. We think these kids need counseling. Okay. But anybody who stands up against the rush toward this bizarre, no such thing as men and women and kids ought to have sex change future is is cast as just some angry conservative desperate for a way to raise money in the New York Times. As Charles C.W. Cook put it, what did I do with that? Um, Sorry. Oh, there it is. Uh, He's the absolutely brilliant writer for the, uh, the dispatch now, right? No, he's National Review. I always get him mixed up with the uh, what's his face, the other guy. Anyway, <laughs> the other the other smart guy, you know. Yeah, sure. Anyway, the way uh, Charles Cook put it was, uh, the left says we wish to do crazy stuff that's never happened before, and we say uh, no, and they say why are you searching for a new campaign? It's the same thing as the censorship. Well, we we would like to introduce. Uh, straight and gay pornography into middle school libraries and the right says uh no thank you why are you book burning you're the censors you're the one restricting the right to the to read holy crap that's an interesting strategy once you identify it yeah and uh yeah and you can watch out for it and then you'll spot it a lot once you've been hipped to the idea
Sure. Hey, honey, we need to have an orgy with three stewardesses. Uh, I'm not interested in that. Why are you trampling on my happiness? Why are you so aggressive about trampling on my happiness? Uh, okay. Good try. Or why are you such a prude? They just draw the line in a much different place. Right. Right. Exactly. They pretend that you have tried to move the line when they just moved it like a mile overnight. Another Charles W. Cook thought. Per the media, the culture war happens when people object to the ideas advanced by the people who want to change the culture. So you want to radically change the culture, and I say, I don't think we ought to do that. I'm the crazy culture warrior. Okay, all right. He actually quoted Logan Dobson, who's a smart guy. An example of media bias here that's hard to detect. And you would think from this excerpt that both Republicans and Democrats want to control what you uh, drive, it's about electric cars, uh, when in fact Democrats want to restrict your choices while Republicans think you should be free to choose. To say, I don't think we should spend zillions of dollars blindly promoting electric cars, you are the person who's trying to control things. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the 90s, Ellen DeGeneres decides to let the world know on our TV show she's gay. And it was a really big deal. Lots of markets around the country wouldn't air that episode of Ellen because it was so controversial. It seems it seems crazy now <laughs> that you can't even really have a TV show unless you have a gay character on there, um, a flamboyantly gay character on there. But her announcing she was gay was controversial not that long ago. And it went from there to, like I said, every TV show has a gay character, gay marriage is legal, blah, 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 blah. And I think most people are fine with that. Do you think that is happening with this whole trans thing, with it being talked about on Saturday Night Live? I mentioned Mr. Beast's, Mr. Beast's sidekick coming out as trans last week. I mean, is the guy culture... has a wife and young children, by the way? Yeah. His, how his how wife, about you? Just yeah. His wife and uh, is and, and him are now separated because she probably decided I'm. You're a dude. You're a you're a woman now. Oh yeah. It's. I don't. I I know some people that are trans, but I didn't know them before. This is the first person, like, I don't know Chris from Mr. Beast, but I feel like I knew him because my kids have been watching him for years, and I've seen hours of his stuff, and he's hilarious. And the most one of the reasons he's so popular and one of the biggest stars in the world is he was just such a regular guy. He was just like your regular guy friend in high school, and, just, and they make smart-ass comments about videos, and he mm. was hilarious. To see him change... Like this is just mind blowing to me. But I just wonder, is that going to lead the culture the way Ellen did or whatever? Do you think so or not? No, I absolutely don't. It's not going to happen that way in this case? There is a fundamental difference, and uh, some of y'all are going to disagree with me, but that's fine. That's the nature of what we do around here. We welcome dissent. We don't uh, fear it or hate it. Oh, my gosh, look at the time. Uh, Why there's a fundamental difference between those two issues after the break. Okay. And uh, Boston Marathon is today. A couple of interesting stats you should know about that are amazing, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you don't care about trans kids' lives, it means you don't care about freaking kids' lives. Yeah, that's from Saturday Night Live, which uh, not only is the opinion interesting, but the fact that they decided to have it part of the newscast on Saturday Night Live. Virtually every developed country on Earth is uh, saying the opposite. Now, she said if you don't care about health care for trans kids, what sort of monster would not care about health care or deny health care? Nobody's talking about that. What we're denying is permanent change to the body of a child who's going through confusion. Which, of course, the left, and this is telling to me, why do you think they use such distorted prejudicial language? I would answer because they can't argue it on the merits. If you just describe what's happening, and hell, I'll neutralize my terms if you want, um, you can't win on the merits because it's crazy. So you have to use terms like you're denying health care to trans kids. Well, and you've got to lay the groundwork for the next generation that this is uh, this is uh, uh, normal right in the way we're going, I guess. and uh, But... Like, my kids, and I've not said a word about it to my kids. Their reaction to Mr. Beast's sidekick going trans last week was, oh, God, that's so weird. That's crazy. And my my 11-year-old saying, 
two women can't have a baby and two men can't have a baby and what what are they talking about just so their 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 visceral reaction was it ruined the show I don't want to watch anymore and I haven't hmm. said anything about it I don't know hmm. where they picked up these ideas but no, they, I call them I call them when you're out and I lecture them on this stuff they think it's odd that he was a regular just very normal male recently and now with a hormone replacement therapy and fingernails and hair and everything like that he's now a woman and they so i don't know i guess you'd my point is you'd have to change the mind of young people to get right. to majority acceptance of this uh, well i want to get to the answer to the question you posed before uh number one i will not concede that a man who calls himself a woman is a woman because i will not be browbeaten into denying reality uh so here's the difference between for instance gay marriage and its acceptance and this stuff um, and, and again, if you disagree with this, that's fine. It, it's I understand completely whether it's biblically or whatever. But there are gay people. There are people who are born gay. There always have been. There always will be. There are enormous advantages uh, financially, legally to being married. If you're a gay person in a permanent union and you want to gain the advantages of being married, uh, which range from insurance to inheritance to being able to visit in the hospital if somebody is uh, very sick. If you want that, I get that completely. That's perfectly reasonable and morally defensible. On the other hand, confused adolescents who are afraid of, of puberty or confused or unhappy, they're dealing with psychological problems, saying, hey, I want permanent surgery because I think my problem is I'm actually a dude or I'm actually a girl. That's morally repugnant. That's not easily defensible and understandable and the rest of it. That's a permanent solution to a temporary adolescent problem. And if it, you know, if it persists into adulthood and that adult says, I want to get a sex change, it's absolutely none of my business. But when you talk about adolescence, that's a world away from a couple of consenting gay adults saying we want to be married. 60 Minutes went big on AI last night. We'll play some clips from that and discuss. It is such a big deal. Like, maybe the biggest deal since the dinosaurs disappeared. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you think society is prepared for what's coming? There are two ways I think about it. On one hand, uh, I feel no, uh, because, you know, the pace at which we can think and adapt as societal institutions compared to the pace at which the technology is evolving, there seems to be a mismatch. On the other hand, compared to any other technology, I've seen more people worried about it earlier in its life cycle. So I feel optimistic the number of people, you know, who have started worrying about the implications, and hence the conversations are starting in a serious way as well. So that's a guy that runs Google, and they are the 800-pound gorilla of AI, and as you'll hear later, they're holding back their best stuff until they think society is ready for it. But he makes a decent point that artificial intelligence and everything it can do, which you're going to hear about in moments, um, is scary, but he's optimistic from the fact that we're going into it knowing it's scary. It's not like, um, well, it's not like the iPhone. We didn't go into that knowing it was scary. Hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. this is cool. Oh, look, the internet on your phone. That's fun. <laughs> Nobody knew it's going to, you know, disrupt everybody's lives and ruin our brains and have millions of people addicted to opioids and committing suicide. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I think uh, you're right, and and the opposite is true, too. When I heard that quote, him saying, what encourages me is that everybody's terrified of this. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. you're saying not only is it uh, legitimate to be really concerned about this, but thank God everybody is. And you're the guy developing it. You're right. My argument doesn't really hold up, because if you were going to say the good thing is we know Godzilla is coming on and onto the onto the into the city and going to stomp around and crush us. And we're worried about it. So that's the good thing is we're anticipating that it's going to be bad. And well, Godzilla like say, comes along and stomps on all the cars. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have taken the subway. Um, uh, I think. But like I said, I think you're absolutely right. And he's right. And that's still scary. And uh, as I said earlier, this is, did I mention this is from 60 Minutes? I don't know if I did. But um, the thing he said that I found the most troubling was just that artificial intelligence will be, it's nothing to worry about. It'll be as good or as evil as human nature. I thought, well, do you watch the news? (laughs) Have you studied history? Good Lord. Anyway, I don't remember who this James Manika guy is. He was one of the geniuses with one of the companies talking with Scott Pelley about how much this is going to change society. But AI itself will pose its own problems. Could Hemingway write a better short story? Maybe. But Bard can write a million before Hemingway could finish one. Imagine that level of automation 
across the economy. A lot of people can be replaced by this technology. Yes, there are some job occupations that will start to decline over time. There are also new job categories that will grow over time. But the biggest change will be the jobs that will be changed. Something like more than two-thirds will have their definitions change. Not go away, but change. Because they're now being assisted by AI and by automation. So this is a profound change which has implications for skills, how do we assist people build new skills, learn to work alongside machines, and how do these complement what people do today? Yeah, to the idea of whether or not you need to pay attention to this, I'm sure that's true two-thirds early, like by next year maybe. I can't believe how many people I know who use chat GPT on a regular basis right. already. Right. You know, one the other thing that Sundar Pichai said that I thought was gigantic and kind of just went by is he said, you know, we're trying to, we're tapping the brakes on this essentially because society's not going to be able to change at the pace that this suggests it, well, at the pace that it's going to be changed by this stuff. Society can't adjust to that much change that quickly. And that guy, who we just heard for uh, Mr. Manyika saying that uh, jobs will be eliminated over time. Yeah, I think that time is by like the next World Series. In a lot of fields. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, well, he's 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 working for Microsoft, a company that's you know going to profit from this and pushing it and want, wants to have a rosy glow on it. So him saying, and there will be jobs created. Yeah. Yeah. Not at the number of ones eliminated. I'm telling you, he is Igor at the front door of Dr. Frankenstein's castle saying, experiments, what experiments? Come on, I'm not buying it. Back to the guy who runs Google talking to 60 Minutes about how much it's going to impact things. This is going to impact every product across every company. And, and so that's why I think it's a, a very, very profound technology. And so we are just in early days. Every product in every company. That's right. AI will impact everything. So, for example, you could be a radiologist. You know, if, I, if, I, if you think about five to ten years from now, you're going to have an AI collaborator with you. It may triage. You come in the morning, you, let's say you have 100 things to go through. It may say these are the most serious cases you need to look at first. Or when you're looking at something, it may pop up and say you may have missed something important. Why wouldn't we, you know, why wouldn't we take advantage of a super-powered assistant to help you across everything you do? You may be a student trying to learn math or history, and, you know, you will have something helping you. I thought those were some really great examples. The medical science yeah. stuff is awe-inspiring. The stuff where uh, we skipped it, maybe we could play that later, where uh, where they started with the computer writing a short story, a Hemingway-esque short story. It's just amazing. It's just absolutely freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah. In the way that it understands, um, God, I don't know, humanity. Yeah, the thing that worries me, and this is really getting to the base of it, is um, it's undeniable at this point that having purpose in your life makes life worth living and, and it gives people the opportunity for happiness. And while we'd like to think of ourselves as these cerebral, thinking, imagining, dreaming, uh, you know, uh, creatures, 
we are that. Uh, some of us are uh, more than others, uh, but uh, we're also beasts. I mean, we're animals that have the needs that animals have, including a reason to go through the day. And if this technology denies people reason to go through the day, all you do is sit around and uh, cash government checks and seek pleasure or what have you. Um, the the repercussions are going to be profound. Absolutely. And that's if AI is more or less benignly replacing our jobs and not... Chaining us to walls, harvesting our organs. Yes. And not actively trying to do away with mankind or or uh, corner the market on everything and have all the money for some reason. I mean, this is is nobody knows for certain. Well, as you're as as the guy who runs Google said, it'll be as good or as evil as human beings. Well, will it for some reason decide the best thing for computers is to control the economy? That way we can. I don't know. Nobody knows. Well, the best knows. thing for people. Yeah. The best thing for humanity is that we control humanity. Look at them killing each other, making terrible economic right. decisions, graft and corruption. Please. It is humanity is a diseased organism, and we're going to cure it. Right. Yeah. What if AI decides, well, the worst thing is death, obviously. So we need to eliminate death the best we can. And the way to eliminate death figures out what causes wars or crises or murders and then mm-hmm. starts really messing with things to try to fix things. Obviously, you wouldn't be wouldn't work. You'd have to really constrain people. But anyway, uh, back to the beast and how smart it is. This is Scott Pelley talking with that Microsoft genius again. Bard, to my eye, appears to be thinking, appears to be making judgments. That's not what's happening. These machines are not sentient. They are not aware of themselves. They're not sentient. They're not aware of themselves. Uh, They can exhibit behaviors that look like that. Because keep in mind, they've learned from us. We are sentient beings. We have beings that have feelings, emotions, ideas, thoughts, perspectives. We've reflected all that in books, in novels, in fiction. So when they learn from that, they build patterns from that. So it's no surprise to me that the exhibited behavior sometimes looks like maybe there's somebody behind there. There's nobody there. These are not sentient beings. But does it make any difference? I'm not sure it makes any difference. Mm, if it's, I, think, I think it does, but uh, this is all so at the outer you know, edges of my imagination. And everybody's. That's the yeah. thing. Everybody's the smartest people on Earth about this aren't sure what's going to happen or whether it's going to be sentient or if it already is or whatnot. I thought this was one of the most interesting things I heard. There are some serious flaws. There's a return of inflation. James Manyika asked Bard about inflation. It wrote an instant essay in economics and recommended five books. But days later, we checked. None of the books is real. Bard fabricated the titles. This very human trait, error with confidence, is called in the industry hallucination. Are you getting a lot of hallucinations? Uh, yes, uh, you know, which is expected. No one in the, uh, in the field has yet solved the hallucination problems. All models uh, do have uh, this as an issue. Is it a solvable problem? It's a matter of intense debate. I think we'll make progress. It's a matter of debate. 
whether or not they can stop AI from just pulling stuff out of its ass. You know what you really ought to read is The Economies of Nations by uh, Theodore Vanderpuff. I mean, that is, it's a classic in the genre. What? So AI is Ron Santos? I mean, so that's what's going on? Oh, George Santos? George Santos? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I right. Uh, was a, 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 a star of my volleyball team, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, yeah. You hear about the computer solved the Rubik's Cube in a tenth of a second? That was me. That so, was absolutely me. So I hadn't heard this at all. And clearly, when Scott Pelley asked about it, it's a big deal. Oh, this is a problem that all AI has, and there's a, it's a matter of great debate as to whether or not we can solve the problem of it making crap up, completely making it up, just to have an answer. Wow. So you ask AI, what do I do about this guy's heart valve problem? And it tells you, uh, you got to go with the, uh, uh, the uh, Glinchberg graft. You know, what you do is take some aluminum foil. And a little bit of uh, Gorilla Glue. Yeah, just like that. And Re- uh, Remove his pinky toe. That's the answer. <laughs> and it's just making this crap up? <laughs> yeah, we call it the hallucinations in the business. It's, it's, it's kind of troubling. <laughs> it's a matter of debate whether or not we can stop that from continuing to happen. So I was thinking when we were discussing... If uh, the computer overlords, uh, our merciless computer overlords, decide that humanity can't be in control because that's the worst thing for humanity and they come to take control. And then, you know, this uh, I was thinking, wow, that'd be a cool movie. Then I realized, well, yeah, that movie has been done. Um, You know, robot armies attempt to take over. But here's the difference. And I'm going to need a listener who has one hundred million dollars to stake me in this. Now, first of all, you should know. I'm going to siphon off like 200 grand and get a big boat because I've always wanted a boat. I don't know where to put it, but I'll worry about that. So anyway, you get me $100 million. I'll make the following movie. Computer overlords attempt to take over humanity and take control of the planet. Plucky humans fight back and are defeated in about 10 minutes. The the merciless (laughs) computer robot super killers are not going to be... Jeff Goldblum is not going to give them a virus cleverly or anything like that. They're just going to run rampant over humanity. It'll be a cautionary tale. Yeah. Send the money to Joe Getty, care of the Radio Ranch. I think this could be a near extinction of the dinosaurs moment for the planet. Or, wow, oh my God, I just scared myself. In my my own brain, I'm scared. I'm not sure you people can handle what I'm about to say. <laughs> How about this? Oh, God. oh my God, this is a certainty. It's not even a possibility. It's a certainty. It will bring a cultural change easily as profound as freedom to communism or society in the Bronx versus society in Tokyo. Very different mores, very different lifestyles, very different habits, transportation, uh, just manners. Everything is going to be as different as Afghanistan versus Norway. Uh, I think that's guaranteed. Yeah, I think that's guaranteed. And if you don't agree with me, you should read the book Money and Me Mm. by George Santos. Yes. It's just exactly the answers for everything. Page Turner. Any thoughts on this? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. AI is more dangerous than, say, mismanaged uh, aircraft design or production maintenance or, or, or b- bad car production uh, in the sense that it is, it has the potential, uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. Elon Musk, uh, who uh, is either a sage or not, thinking AI has got the potential to destroy civilization. So we'll talk more about this later and play some more clips from 60 Minutes because it was really fascinating. But what I think is interesting is that you've got this going on that is happening. There's no stopping it. It's going to happen. I mean, I've got I have a bit of a feeling maybe it's because of my age that I would just like to kind of will it away, not, <laughs> not to happen, but that, that it's impossible. It kind of reminds me in a weird way of when the pandemic started, and I was just kind of trying to pretend this can't actually be as bad as people say it's going to be. But it was, and it was highly disruptive for a very long time. I think AI is going to be like that also, whether you like it or not. And uh, I, I just think it's interesting So that that's happening at the same time as I was looking up at uh, CBS News, and they're interviewing some people about how, how Taiwan is now uh, getting really serious about their defenses, thinking they're going to be invaded by China soon. So you've got this ama- amazing technology. Elon, the the biggest rocket that's ever built, been built by mankind, was supposed to launch this morning. They had to delay it for 48 hours, but 
biggest rocket that man has ever made is going to launch into space. You got this AI technology, which is beyond anything practically anybody could even imagine a few years ago. At the same time, you got one country that's trying to take over another country with bombs and guns and by killing people. Mm-hmm. You know, just the oldest, most basic of human nature. Just, I'm going to take your stuff because I can, because I'm bigger than you are. I don't know how those things coexist or how they're going to coexist or I have no well, idea. Yeah, they've always coexisted. They if that's have. any comfort. Although I'll tell you this, my thought from that is that it, it, it's practically a truism that the military and pornography have driven, you know, much technological advance in the history of mankind, certainly in the last century or, or two. Um, the desire to kill people. To you know, defend yourself or whatever, defend your country and and porn. Well, I think the flip side of that coin is that uh, the best technologies will be adopted for those uses. Um, if they right. didn't come along because of those uses, they will be adopted and adapted. Um, and for instance, uh, uh, AI will be unleashed uh, to bring Taiwan to its knees if the Chinese can, although they're way, way behind the U.S. for reasons that are really interesting culturally and politically. But um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be crazy to see how that technology is brought to bear on the battlefield, knocking out electric grids, communications, that sort of thing. I can't even imagine. I don't know. I'll be in the woods uh, husbanding weapons if you need me. And then and then with all that going on, I, was, I spent a couple hours yesterday uh football field at the high school as my son had his first uh flag football games. And uh and the fields in every direction as far as I could see, like suburbia all around America, there were soccer games and fast pitch softball games and flag football games, and so many gazillion kids and parents and everything like that. Just all this stuff coexisting at the same time, I find amazing. I mean, and that stuff is like, that's what everybody cares about and everybody wants to do. That's what gets you up in the morning, is that stuff. Well, welcome to the human race. We're complicated. Hey, I was going to squeeze this in. Maybe we can do it next hour. Uh, Santa Clara County, which is in the South Bay, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, went full on Looney Tunes during COVID. I mean, as restrictive as any county in America, their public health director was completely out of her mind. Uh, They've ordered a church to pay more than a million dollars in fines for ignoring various directives. That story and more coming up next hour. If you don't get next hour, grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.